This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of February 12th. I'm your host, William Liu. Hopefully the third time is the charm. <laughs> and uh, there's too much good Raptors basketball to not be discussed and uh, bring in the big dog, Blake Murphy. Honestly, Blake, it just flows off the tongue to call you the big dog. <laughs> All right, man. I shot it down and take number two, but here we are, the big dog. Raptor, I mean, you Raptors the big Twitter dog, is my yard, you know. Right. That, that's correct. That's yeah. correct. And you are a dog enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah, I have a new yeah. subletter, and she has a service dog in training, which has been fun. There you go. That's Honestly, is that how you look for roommates? Uh, no, not necessarily. Because if, if they but don't I mean, have one, I'll, so just just foster, I'll just foster a new one. That's true. That's true. Good on you, Blake. Yeah. What's going on, man? How was your vacation? Dog. Vacation was great. Vacation was great. Much needed. Um, I'm really upset that I missed the Boston Celtics game because of all the slander that went on. However, um, look at the opportunity yes. you had today. Exactly, man. I mean, let's just start either. there. Before we get to, look, listen, the Raptors winning like five straight games, beating opponents by like 20, 30 points, you know, the starters never having to play ever. Um, that's, that's all well and good, but let's let's just out top take some time to slander the Celtics. Um, could honestly, Blake, let me ask you: Has can Paul Pierce's uh, jersey retirement, which is not even that important, could this have gone any worse from where it started? It's <laughs> like a, just like a here's the announcement for the season: Paul Pierce is retiring as a, as a Celtic, and he's gonna have his jersey retired from that moment on to now, um, where they're getting crushed by the Cavaliers. Um, and everyone has to sit around and wait for post-game. It's just great, man. Paul Pierce's slander is delicious. Yeah, I, I think it's very fitting that the Celtics got exposed as overrated on the same day Paul Pierce's mm. overrated ass was getting his jersey retired. Oh, man. Listen. I do have... Can I share one problem I have with the Paul Pierce slander? Okay. I feel weird joining in because he did absolutely own the Raptors. Look, listen, just because he kicked Chris Bosch in the penis, like, in 2008, Man, doesn't mean we can't slander him now. This dude carried two flip phones with him at all times, took a, pic- mm-hmm. took a picture of an emoji to post online, and still had memes ready to dunk on the Raptors. Honestly, Paul Pierce thinks a, a, a screenshot is when one phone takes a picture of another phone. Okay, <laughs> And he still <laughs> had memes on deck for the Raptors. He really did. He really did. I don't, I think know, if he, he I don't know if the Raptors will ever, like, short of going to the finals, maybe even mm. winning a championship. I, oh, actually, mm. honestly, I think they have to beat Washington at some point to to wash that out of uh, out of the memory. Yeah. Well, that's because we'll probably won't face Brooklyn anytime soon. Yeah. And there's also the Wizards fans still really hang on to that sweep. We could do a whole I mean, podcast on Wizards slander, too, right now. Derrick Rowe is going to save their season. Oh, buddy, listen. They have no John Wall. <laughs> Thomas Sadoransky is hurt. I think Tim Frazier like hurt his face or something. Tim Tim Frazier is going under surgery, and they're hoping he can play this week, but they won't know until after surgery. Um, he needs to have facial reconstruction surgery, so it doesn't look like Westbrook's son. Um, and you know, I mean, who do they have? They're gonna have Derrick Rose. I can't wait for Derrick Rose to take shots away from Bradley Beal. Honestly, the whole franchise is hilarious. Like. Like, just, they haven't won 50 games since Wes Unseld was around. Like, Wes Unseld, no one even knows who that looks like. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. But, but hey, they, they swept the Raptors one time, so that's, you know, yeah. the Raptors have some sad franchise-defining moments, but sweeping oh, the sure. Raptors is a really sad franchise-defining moment. Yo, listen, I have a dark memory of uh, riding the go, the go bus, like the... There's like a go bus that goes from Toronto to Hamilton that is like 40 minutes and it's like very smooth. And I used to take that all the time for work when I was in university. And like 
the last bus is at like 1240. So after that, you have to take this longer bus that's not the express bus that takes pretty much like two and a half hours to go from Toronto to Hamilton because it stops in like, you know, Mississauga, Oakville, Burlington, you know, whatever. And I, know I was riding work. that. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. But then okay. I was, I was like 2 a.m. I was riding that shit, and then I was and I, on that bus. That was after game three of that series, where I was like, man, we got nothing, because you know, as it turns out, starting Tyler Hansborough is not going to cut it. No. Um, <laughs> but we should have started James Johnson, Blake. If we started James Bond Johnson, we would have won. At least Landry Fields. Oh God. Honestly, yeah, Landry Fields for those seven minutes against Joe Johnson in 2014 playoffs was uh was a great time. But you know, wait, Blake, how, hold on. How do how did slandering um how does slandering the Wizards and Celtics turn into slandering the Raptors? I don't know, man. It's just I think it's I, I'm ready. Not that any Celtics or Wizards fans are going to listen to this, but like I just I feel it's important to acknowledge your own slander worthy yeah. uh, shortcomings before you mm-hmm. get to the get really into slandering. Uh, the tryhards and the Afflecks and the yeah the we're going to dap up Red Auerbach for Black History Month ass. Celtics. Oh, that was oh uh, Boston PD. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the Celtics, but it was the Celtics. It was the Celtics. Come on, that's that's who Celtics fans are. Um, no, but I mean, look, the Celtics are in a free fall right now. The Raptors have taken over first place. Rightfully, eight and ten in their last eighteen now. Um, something like that, yeah. I mean, look, they just, it just hasn't gone well for them. Like, their offense is in the tank because, you know, um, you know, Jason Tatum is no longer shooting like he's, uh, KD, and now he's shooting like he's Jeff Green, which is what he is. Uh, Jalen Brown has been Jeff Green for like a couple months now. That's good, though. Uh, they have two guys on the roster better than Paul Pierce. Oh, oh, of course. Listen. Paul listen. Pierce is also Jeff Green. Paul Pierce is just Jeff Green with a healthy heart, but, um, <laughs> The the X the, the Paul Pierce's X player with X is so good. Yeah. <laughs> like like uh my guy Will, who uh, I work with at the store, he was he he, uh, he said uh Paul Pierce's what did, what did he say? Paul Pierce's uh, Danny Granger was with bullet wounds or with stab wounds. <laughs> like like man. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, the Joe Johnson with a resume, like, there's just, there's so much, man. Resume, there's Joe so... Johnson made the All-Star team seven times. Yeah, I, you know, how many times have Paul Pierce made the All-Star team? Because I have an issue with that. He was not an All-Star for that long. Yeah, he, he actually, like, it's interesting, slander aside, he really didn't have that impressive of a... No! And, and look, pre-Big 3, I was actually a really big Paul Pierce fan. Um, yes. And I guess I, some of this is colored by the fact that, like, efficiency matters so much more now than it did even like 10 years ago to where the the way Pierce was getting points up and, and um you know his function in the offense was really valued at that time so he probably looked a lot better at that time but in retrospect yeah. um you know obviously he was part of a championship team but he was what the third best player on that team yeah I mean, well, I don't know. I think he's probably better than Ray Allen. I thought Paul Pierce's defense was all right. Yeah, that's like for true. a while he was he was pretty good defensively against LeBron. But I mean, like also it, it Ray, Al- Ray Allen not showing up to the Jersey retirement and posting oh. a photo of him golfing instead. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing: Ray Allen wasn't even golfing. That's an old picture. Oh, was <laughs> I it? I swear that's an old picture. No, 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 I don't think that's been proven. But okay. I'm convinced that's an old picture. I think Ray Allen was just at home, you know. Yeah, because it went up this successfully afternoon. DMing it, girls. Yeah, it went up this afternoon. Um, like shortly before that game started, Ray Allen mm. leg, legs for days. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure. Like he was, he had the calves of a Korean. Um, but um, honestly, like with the Celtics, like it's just the whole fan base. Like that's that's the creation of the, the Paul Pierce like legacy, right? Like Paul Pierce is a good player. He really was, and he deserves to have his jersey retired. It's it's fine. He's had a lot of longevity. He won a championship. But I mean, like, was Paul Pierce ever one of the top ten players in the NBA at any time? Maybe it's on dancers, the fringes, no. but probably not. I mean, like, was Paul Pierce better than what the Rosen is currently? No. Yeah, like it's. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, the thing I, I, I might go back. It's not look, that important. I might go back and look at the numbers after just to make sure that's that's true. Um, uh, but like, the Mario Rosen is legitimately playing at like. Like, he's going to get votes on the back end of MVP ballots. And I know he hasn't shot the ball well the last month or so, but... Hey, man, he shot the ball well tonight. He was unbelievable today. I mean, 
25 he's points the, on 21 possessions, 8 assists, and, and he did all that assists. in like 29 minutes. The assists of late for DeRozan have been, it's like, uh, like last year he like made improvements as a creator, like out of pick and roll. Now he's like legitimately crafty. Like before he was just like, I, he's making the right reads, right? So if like someone helps on the weak side to like tag the, the roller, like there's someone open in the corner, you can, you can pass it to him, right? But like, it's like he can see that. Now he's like, did you see him like he's like throwing those like over the shoulder passes? Oh, that one on the pick and pop with JV for three? He did it three times today. I mean, that, that one was the best one. But I mean, yeah, like what? Why is he doing that? It's great, man. Yeah. Um, no, Demar's Demar's his improvements are great. Like, yeah, he's at the five point two assists per game now after today too, and that's in like not only is that the highest assist total of his career or assist average of his career by a significant margin, but he's doing it in fewer minutes. Yeah, so, like percentage wise, I think he's up to like twenty five percent assist rate, which mm-hmm. quite good. Him and, JV, him and JV going from having assist. no chemistry at all for years yeah. to like just knowing where the other's going to be all the time is really good. This is more chemistry than Amir and Demar had, and that's impressive because Amir and Demar had some chemistry for for a while. Just not in the 2011 dunk contest. No. Oh man, Blake, how's that piece going? Should, it's good. I, it, I, it'll be up sometime this week. Okay, good. Because I'm I'm dying to read it. Because uh, it's gonna be some good stuff. Man, out there. you want to talk about some slander? Okay. I've gathered a lot of slander for this piece. Was there some Serge Ibaka slander? Yeah, there, there's uh, slander from and at Serge Ibaka. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Honestly, Ibaka is a tough, tough guy to crack, really. So yeah, props to you for uh, for getting some stuff there. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty funny. I thought it was weird it, during the interview, like while I was talking to him about it, I didn't think I was getting good stuff, and then I listened to it back after, and was like full on laughing. It was, that's good. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, not much is mentioned on the fact that Serge Ibaka does like a perfect free throw line dunk. Yeah, also for a guy who's almost seven feet, like he's like six, what, six ten? Six ten, six eleven, yeah. Yeah, like he does a perfect free throw line dunk. His feet are like fully behind the free throw line. Yeah, and also that dunk, like the toy, was a silly gimmick, but he bit yeah. a toy off the rim and still managed to throw down like like a dunk that would be good without the toy. I think that might be. I mean, I think that might be better than the Gerald Green. Cupcake dunk. I love the Gerald Green Cupcake It's definitely better because one, you have to just like blow on it, and the other, you yeah. have to get your teeth and like like have the pressure to pull it off and keep it in your mouth. And I think his yeah. dunk on the like the actual dunk was probably better. Yeah, Gerald, not... Gerald Green just what did what he just cocked it back, right? Yeah, and also like you know Gerald Green has like six fingers, so like come on, Gerald Green's That's... sock dunk is still one of the most underrated dunks. I don't think people yes. realize how hard but also, it would be like, dunking his socks. But also, like, how hard it would be to land in socks, yeah. <laughs> like, after trying to do stuff. It's one thing if you're jumping straight up and down. It's another thing when you're trying to do an acrobatic dunk in front of millions, or not, well, I guess in front of thousands of people, millions of people millions. watching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm excited about that piece. Uh, it's too bad I couldn't get Blake Griffin for it, because it would have been funny to just, like, read him whatever else said. Seriously. So, like, everyone's uh, calling your championship a sham. That was a sham, bro. I even got, you to, know talk what to, I even got to talk to JaVale for it. That's, that's cool. JaVale seems like a nice guy. Yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. 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 So, um, do yeah, you talk anyway. to JaVale about the, uh, the time he ran back on the wrong way after the Raptors, uh, in that Wizards game? <laughs> I, only, like I only talked to him about the dunk contest. <laughs> but that was, that was honestly, like, for a while, like, JaVale and Shackton was like a, was like the NBA's best thing for a little bit. Him and Nick Young being on the same team twice. Yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the legacy of, um, of Gilbert Arenas, man. Yeah. That was you know, the, was that the Javaris Cretton year too? Maybe. The whole incident? Maybe. Year? Yeah. That's still so wild, but, yeah. um, you said earlier about how DeMar DeRozan is averaging all these assists yeah. uh, in the fewest minutes of his career. Uh, or not of his career, but, you know. For a uh, long time. Career. Yeah, for a long time. Um, I feel like both of that is like a product of the Raptors sort of embracing what they've been wanting to do and like, whatever. We don't have to talk about it that much anymore. It's it's just pretty apparent on a nightly basis. But um, with the, a lot of the minutes has also come down to the fact that the bench has been just incredible. Like Stupid good. I mean, I think my theory with it is, like, they're not as good as this. I mean, obviously, they're, like, the best lineup in the league right now. But 
part of it is also like, you know, this is February, close to the um, all-star break. A lot of teams get, you know, relaxed, whatever. And so a deep team like the Raptors are going to have a natural advantage because of that. But also just the whole, the way the bench plays together as a unit, especially now with CJ Miles like firmly in that unit and not in and out of the lineup. They're just, I don't know. There's some of the most cohesive basketball I've seen played in a Raptors uniform. Am I wrong for that? No, it's great, man. It's a uh, like it's it's to the point where had you told me at the start of the year the Raptors would play playoff minutes with one of Lowry or DeRozan off the floor, I would have lost it. Uh, yeah. And now, like Bobby Webster was on the radio Friday on TSN 1050, I think, and he basically said, you know, it's count, it's unconventional, but there's no precedent for it, and he thinks that they the guys have earned the chance to maybe see what that looks like. In the playoffs, and yeah, maybe maybe you have to adjust quickly. It's probably going to be a short leash if they don't if they struggle. But you know, there's no. I everyone kind of pencils Lowry and DeRozan in for like 40 minutes in the playoffs. Maybe it's it's helpful over the long run if that's like 36, 38 minutes, and, and Ibaka's minutes stay down at like 26 instead of jumping up into the 30s. Um, you know, it's gonna. It should still have a short leash because playoff rotations, other teams, you're playing better teams and they're going to tighten their rotations and you're going to be playing against more starters. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be entirely against it if Casey continues with the same rotation come playoff time. Yeah, Which feels either. crazy to say that you're just going yeah. to run an all bench group in a playoff series. But I mean, like, I don't know if the opposing team's bench is on the floor. I don't think any, like, it's just like the cohesion of it, right? Like, when you look at it yeah. piece by piece, it doesn't really quite make sense. But um it's something that C.J. Miles said in the post game, you know, after the Hornets game. He's like, it's just all the seals really complement each other. It's you know, true. like, every single player on that roster, uh, on that unit, complements each other. Like, C.J. Miles is shooting, um, and the fact that he's a little bit, he's, he's older, right, really does help because since he's older, everyone is already sprinting down the floor. So he's, like, naturally the trailer. <laughs> and because people are going so hard towards the basket, it's like easy for him to get open shots in that way. Yeah. It's also like his shooting opens up the floor. Um, the way the, the the specific types of sets they're running, um, you know, in terms of just like uh, like screen action and stuff like that. Dude, like they're having, having, they're having Siakam initiate sometimes in those plays. Yeah, there was a there was a good post on Reddit NBA the other day about how the Raptors are running this a Spanish pick and roll, which is essentially like a pick and roll with like another shooter um, sort of screening the guy that's. Generally, the the like the, the guy who's going the ball yeah, like screen, the screener's man, right? Yeah, exactly. And like Siakam is the one running that shit. Like, yeah, I actually I talked to him about it the see, other night. Incredible. So it, it, I have a plan for an All Star break piece, like a video breakdown. Okay. But I talked to him about um, like running the offense a little bit more and getting into those sets and what they've been doing to prep them for it and stuff. So um, I'll have to check it out because maybe that'll save me from clipping the videos myself if they've already clipped them. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so the uh, other thing is. Even if, oh, one thing about the, the chemistry with those guys too. Fred Van Vliet mm. and DeLon Wright are now regularly throwing passes to each other, but not to the player, to where the player is eventually going to be, where initially when the pass comes off the hands, it's like, where is that going? <laughs> and then, you know, DeLon Wright just shows up from the baseline in the corner to catch that. Or Fred Van Vliet, you know, flares up and it's there. Like, they, they know where the other one's going to be all the time. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, like, the the great thing with watching the young group is that throughout the season they've just progressively gotten better. Like each of those players has gotten better throughout the year. That's right? the other like, thing too is maybe they'll be better in April, not dramatically, but these guys should all be expected to improve. Yeah, I mean you look at something like for example, like rebounding used to be one of the weaknesses of that roster, and of late they've been rebounding a lot better. And you know you see a guy like I, there used to be a thing where like Siakam wasn't really picking his spots well in terms of when he was crashing the boards and. One he was helping out on the defensive glass and one he was leaking out. Now he's like always coming in for either a big rebound when, when necessary, or he's like going down the floor in four seconds. Yeah, and, and part I, of that I, is I wanna probably... see by the way, I wanna see a race of the NBA, like like Charles Barkley versus Dick Mavetta style. Yeah. Like just the fastest players in the NBA. Siakam trash talking he he wants to he wants to race DeMar, because DeMar keeps saying That's... Siakam's not fast. It's not that, it's not even close. What are you talking about? Demar is like the slowest player on the Raptors minus Jonas. Um, but yeah, in terms of him coming back and crashing and rebounding more, I think a, a part of that is, you know, obviously he wants to leak out because that's how he gets a lot of his offense. But if you're empowering him to run the floor with the ball off of defensive rebounds and just grab it and push and, and initiate in semi-transition, 
mm-hmm. then you know he knows he's he's not just feasting on leakouts. He's got other ways to get his points, and I think that's kind of you know obviously th- those sets are still a little clunky sometimes, uh, but it's important development for him, especially if the three point shot is slow to come along because you know you look around at, at the the guys who are kind of these positionless guys and what they do offensively if they can't shoot. And obviously Siakam is not these guys, but you know. Giannis, Ben Simmons, early career mm-hmm. LeBron. Again, Siakam is not those guys, but they no. were big guys that you wanted on the floor because they have a lot of different skills. And the way you get around them not shooting or not being good spot up threats is that you put the ball in their hands a little bit more, and you turn a you know you turn a ball handler into a spacer like Fred VanVleet, who's you know shooting four hundred percent on threes the last month. Yeah, that's really helped. That's really helped. Um, even Delon, even Delon's like three. Like I, I trust him now. You know, yeah. like. It's it's not bad. It's a flat footed shot, and he takes some time to get it off. But it, it's been accurate. Um, the, the, Delon, been solid all throughout. De, Delon with two blocks today was a lot of fun. Delon blocking shots is one of my favorite things. Yeah, especially especially since like the Raptors are very especially that bench unit, they're really able to turn that stuff into like yeah. transition opportunities, and that's the strength again of the bench overall. Like they're so in sync on like pretty much everything they do defensively. They're so in sync, right? Like. They know exactly when to switch. They communicate really well. They help each other really well. And it's just like a very selfless thing. Like it's very much just five players working towards a common goal. Um, and it's like, and again, it's, you know, you, that's the great thing about the bench is just like you see random players. It's, it's not clear night to night which player is going to go off, but you know, we've seen Delon have 20 point games. We've seen Siakam have 20 point games. We've seen Pirtle have 20 point games. CJ Miles can get hot anytime. Fred's had 20 point games. Like, you know, yeah. on any given night, depending on what happens, like they'll figure out a way to exploit the defense. And sometimes they don't necessarily get it done in the second quarter, but especially in the fourth quarter, it's their their money, man. Like they they got a chance to close out the game against the Grizzlies because why not? They're yeah. so good. And, there and might he, be there might be a better shot for him to close out a game than the starters for once. <laughs> the starters closing out games is still kind of an issue. Um, it just can't work on it now because so, we blow teams out. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's the one drawback to winning five games in a row by fifteen points or more is that. You know, one of the biggest things the Raptors have to work on is late game execution. And there's, you know, I don't know. Do you let a team back in it at some point? <laughs> Just for fun. But <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing: How do you let a team back into it, right? Because we can't even put bad players on the floor. Honestly, pop- l- lately the answer is put Bebe out there because Bebe's putting up like a minus fourteen in garbage time like every night now. Oh no. Yeah. He's got. He's got. He's got Norman Powellitis. Yeah. Although Norm, even Norm tonight was, or today with OG going down to a, to an ankle sprain, mm-hmm. um, he was plus twelve with the starters in the third quarter, which is really encouraging yeah. to see. And they held what I think Charlotte had like eleven points in the third yeah. quarter there. Like a lot of that was they put Norm on Kemba Walker, yeah. and outside of a janky like Walker kind of like not foul baiting, but I didn't think it was a great foul call. Um, definitely, Kemba was looking for the foul. Like I, I'm yeah, shocked I, that you didn't I, think I, the I thought, call against the Raptors was a good call. Yeah, listen, the conspiracy, like, I gotta, I gotta expose the conspiracy. I've just only shot 10 free throws tonight, alright? Um, okay, so, uh, the one, the one other thing about the bench, even yeah. if they don't play a ton together in the playoffs, or they do and it doesn't work and they have to pivot from it, mm-hmm. the impact, you know, the last couple of years, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan have been shaky in the playoffs, and some of that is the design of the offense, and some of that is them having to get better, um, and some of it is that, at least in the case of Lowry, they've entered the playoffs pretty worn down, coming off an injury or having played some of the most minutes in the NBA. Uh, that mm-hmm. is not the case. And it's been one of the biggest and kind of subtlest parts of this culture reset is that over the last 10 games, the Raptors are 8-2. and two. Lowry is averaging under 29 minutes. DeRozan's averaging 31. Ibaka's averaging 27. And this is five games in a row now where none of those guys have topped 30 minutes. Yeah, that's huge. If the, the bench the bench doesn't need to play one minute together as a five seven in the playoffs to have had an impact. If that if those kind of numbers keep up and Lowry and DeRozan enter the playoffs super fresh and they can get nights off because DeLon can slide into a starting role or Norm can start slide into a starting role. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's also been nice that like the other starters have been able to pick it up and and like contribute with their offense. Like of late, it's been JV. JV's been incredible. He's- he um, had a great, great third quarter tonight. That, like, Dwight Howard just ooh. quit. JV, I mean, like, okay, okay. first off, the three-pointers, right? Like, he, the last 12 games, he's, like, taking 1.8 per game and hitting 57% of them. Yeah. Now, like, that's not a lot of shots, and he's not guarded a lot on those. But, like, 
that's that's wild that he's actually made that development. And like they're good looking shots. They don't look bad. Right? And of course it's a little bit hot right now, but even if you can work a couple of those in for just for easy offense, because teams are so used to, you know, sagging off of him and like, you know, shutting off the paint for when the Rosen drives, like yeah. you know, that's fine. Just have a couple of those shots and then you know, a couple closeouts happen, like uh, Jarebko in that horn, in that uh, Jazz game, or um, who was it? Gortat closed on him in the in Gasol. the Wizards game, like Gasol closed on him. I mean, I thought he looked better than Marcus Gasol. He was doing Marcus Gasol stuff. Yeah, in that he Wizards also, game, he also gives a lot him. more fucks than Marcus Gasol right now. Yo, Mark, honestly, uh, Marcus Gasol, listen, you're just collecting checks at this point, man. I, and I get it, like you don't want to play with Jarrell Martin and and Wayne Selden, but like, uh, come on, man, you got a reputation to protect, man. Zach was about to rename the All Star game, All Star call up for you. <laughs> yeah, Marcus is going to be an entirely All-Star. different kind of All Stars soon. Oh, straight up. Yeah. Um, um, but no, yeah. but what I, my point with that was that, like, you know, of late, like, I think part of it is because you know, Lowry and Demar, they got into the All Star game, right? And I'm not saying they only play for these accolades, but of course, there are different motivations that happen throughout the year. And now that they've they've gotten in. They've been a little bit more willing to like share the offense a little bit more, right? And if anyone says like, "Well, come on, there's no motivations that motivate every game," it's like just look at what, what Lowry did after the starters were announced. <laughs> like at that forty point game against Minnesota and stuff. But um, I will say he know. was just, he was also just like really hot in the Minnesota game and kept shooting, and then like had a couple poor shooting nights, so he didn't push it. So like I, I get what you're saying, and I get when people pointed out that it looks like he's gunning, but you could also <laughs> if you were agnostic to the Raptors side of it, you could look at those same numbers and be like, oh, well, Lowry didn't shoot very much on nights his shot wasn't there, and then he shot a bunch when his shot was dropping. That's true. That's true. But, Which is what you want. Which yeah. is what you want. And look, knowing, like, being around Lowry a little bit, I'm I'm fairly certain that he was, yes, he, he wanted to make sure he got in the All-Star game, but... Yep. Um, you know what? The, the other thing is, too, and, like, I get that, and I get that those things matter for legacy and respect, um, financially, also matters financially, man. But there are a lot more financial incentives in Kyle Lowry's contract that pertain to the Raptors' success in the playoffs. Oh, of course, of course. That's that's hilarious too. Yeah, he gets. <laughs> like, I think they're called. Un- I think they're called unlikely bonuses, which is just a general term. Right. But it's so funny to have like playoff bonuses the, for Lowry called unlikely. Yeah, they're split into likely and unlikely based <laughs> almost entirely on whether they happened the season before. True. So like, so it's, there's also a weird loophole where, um, you're not allowed to have incentives based on, uh, playing time or number of games played. Like you can't say Kyle Lowry gets an extra hundred thousand dollars if he plays 65 games because there's obviously like a conflict of interest if he's at like yeah. 63 games late and they want to rest him and stuff like that. But you can put games played in as qualifiers for other things. So like Lowry, might get a bonus for averaging this many assists if he plays this number of games. Or even Lowry's right. 200K that everyone talks about for the All-Star game still hasn't triggered for sure because it's because contingent upon him meeting some other criteria as well. So um, mm-hmm. a lot of these are built intelligently to, for guys to have, at least in the case of Lowry's uh, incentives. I, DeMar has um, really small unlikely incentives, and I don't know what exactly they are. I, I'm guessing they're like all-NBA first team, all-NBA second team, that kind of stuff. MVP, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for Lowry, they're built pretty smartly where the incentive is, like, there's a little bit of one for an all-star and maybe some numbers and stuff, but it's really heavily built toward, like, take the long view, man. Yeah, Exactly. You gotta stay healthy, right. and we gotta make a deep run, and you get all of this money. Um, yeah, but my general point was just like, you know, yeah, I got you. Off that story. No, that's fine, that's fine. That's that's a good tangent. But I mean, um, you know, like it's nice to see that other players are capable, right? Like the, the fact that the Raptors can have more options consistently is great because at, we know Larry and DeRozan is gonna be there. They're gonna supply you with like I don't know forty five points, and they're gonna give you something else with assists. But it, it's almost like. It, it does feel a little bit like, um, you know, when the Dallas Mavericks won the championship, like, like Dirk is like DeMar in terms of like just a consistent number one score. They're going to give you points. But then like, you don't know who else is going to come in and give you points, but th- you know, someone's going to give you points every single night, right? Like, and I guess it's the same thing with the Detroit Pistons in 2004 that won the title as well. But that one is, there was just didn't have a number one score. There was just yeah, and that one was so, like, I mean, the Raptors are top four defense right now too, but the Pistons. But that was like a like, generationally good defense. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, it w- going back to the Mavericks thing, like, it was like Jason Terry one night. It was like Sean Marion another night. It was like, you know, um, who else was on that team? Jason like Kidd. Like, Deshaun, St- Deshaun Stevenson, Jason Kidd. Like, like you know what I mean? Like Deshaun Stevenson, it, Mr. 500. Hey, listen, <laughs> Mr. ATM, baby. Um, how do ATMs work? I don't know. Shout out to the starters. But, um, yeah, seriously, like, it, it I, it's nice to have that, uh, it's nice to see that the Raptors have that depth in scoring, which is something that, you know, for a long time, the Raptors didn't have a third score, and it was, like, contingent on Jonas to make it there, and Jonas, you know, wasn't quite there with the timeline, but it feels good that he's, you know, come around, and hopefully this lasts, because the way he's playing of late in his role has been excellent. It's 24 minutes. It's go out there, give us as much energy as you can. He's getting, like, 15 rebounds, like 10, 12 rebounds in, like, 24 minutes, which is really hard to do. Uh, and he's finishing great around the rim. He's shooting well. He's even passing a little bit better and dribbling a little bit better. Like, you know. Yeah, it's it's just everything's good right now. Um, yeah, it's good. And, and to your point about like the scoring coming from different places, someone asked me in an early season mailbag, how many Raptors will score twenty points this year? And I went mm-hmm. back and I looked and I looked at um, you know recent Raptors teams, how many guys scored twenty, and I kind of looked at like general like league spreads, like if you average like eight points a game, how often mm-hmm. are you gonna hit twenty points, twenty points and stuff like that? And I seriously underestimated the number of Raptors that are gonna score twenty points this year. So I think the, the number right now is nine, right? Every single yeah. rotation and I, player I outside I said, of OG. I think I said, what's that? No, OG's had a 20-pointer, hasn't he? Didn't he hit it when the one game he hit, he hit six threes? Uh, was that against Charlotte? I think it's Pirtle that hasn't done it. Pirtle hasn't had 20? I think Pirtle topped out at like 18 or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not positive. It, it's anyway. hard to get ten. It's hard to get ten layups in a game. Let's be real. Yeah, you got to be really bad on defense to allow one player to have ten. Yeah, Pirtle layups. tossed out at 18 in that one Pacers game. Okay. Uh, so but yeah. So anyway, done. I underestimated it because usually teams aren't structured where five guys averaging six points a game will all have a turn going on for 20. Yep. And you know, like towards at, at some point in like March, Norman Powell is going to be. Out there, and maybe they rest one of Lowry and DeRozan, and uh, Norman Powell's gonna have more of the offense, and he's come out of his funk a little bit, and maybe he'll have 20. He's yeah. definitely capable of having 20. He's done it before. It's yeah, and it's not possible for Norman Powell to have less of the offense than he had on Sunday. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Although, you know what? I like that he's deferring a little bit more. Yeah. I like that I've seen him do a little in between game. Like he's had a floater. He had a floater in the in the in the Blazer series. He had a floater in the uh, the Charlotte game. I'm watching them very closely. All right, and these are he only. He had a nice shots. dump off the JV in the third quarter too. Yeah, I mean he he was doing that to, to start the year. He was he was really good at the driving kicks. He yeah. was just wasn't like shooting well himself, and then he got injured. Yeah, and then he like lost all his confidence. But you know n- now he's starting to come back a little bit, and it's nice. Um, it was last funny. I asked, I asked, uh, I asked Norm if he's like going away for All Star break or anything like that. And he's like, his answer was, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically it was like, no, I'm going to hang around here and work out. Like, yep. That's how you get out, that's how you get out of the slump. That's, that's the right approach. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, would say with take all a vacation of these guys, for your mental health, but. With all of these guys, I maybe, maybe take a break. Cause like none of these guys have played, well, for, for Norm, he hasn't played much, but the rest of these guys have never played. Like, OG sprained an ankle today in his 55th game. He hadn't missed a game yet. That's more games than he played over two college seasons. Yeah. Which, by the way, I wouldn't mind if the Raptors just, like, told them, hey, man, listen, just yeah, relax. Yeah. Like, you don't got to play against Miami. Because, like, who are you guarding in Miami? Like, really? Like, also, do we need you? Also, it's a back-to-back right before the break. If it's, like, just... Yeah. I, I'd extend it, you know. It's, like, I, I get that it's hard to do that. You don't want to rest guys if they're not actually hurt. And you mm-hmm. don't want to take a rookie out of his floor or whatever. But, like, he hasn't been playing his best ball either. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even if it's not physical, maybe there's a little bit of a mental wall there. He says there isn't. Um, but, you know, I don't think it would be the worst thing to – and they'll play it cautious. They play it cautious with everyone else. So Yeah, Except especially, especially if you're trying to find an excuse for Norm to have some minutes. Like, Yeah. yeah also, it might buy you – like, I know Norm will probably start in that scenario. More minutes of CJ with the starters, I would like a bigger sample on that because I think that's still going to be a playoff lineup that they use sometimes. That's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, I hope OG gets better soon because – yeah. Obviously, I don't want him. None, none of us want him dealing with anything. Just you know, take your time. Yeah, for sure. Um, two more things before we wrap up the first segment, um, and I'll let you go, and I'll just do the questions. But um, one, I'm, I'm big time. I'm not doing reader questions though. 
No, no, you don't need that shit. You got you got to get mail back in anyway. People are gonna ask you about like you know what's Bruno saying. You know, it's good that you no longer have to answer what Bruno's saying. But yeah, um, Bruno sent me a, a goodbye DM the other day. So the, the oh, that's really nice, of Bruno. Yeah, that's really nice. What do you say? He I just said he just said thank you. I, I sent him one saying like good luck and you know I'll see you down the line or whatever. And yeah. honestly, that's so sweet. He did not send me or Harsh or Sahal any of these things. Yeah, probably because we've been slandering him for like two years. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, uh, that's interesting. I wonder if he's ever. Yeah. Anyway, we we did a whole Bruno podcast. I, we I wish I could fast forward a couple of years and see how it turns out. Well, if we did fast forward a couple of years from 2014, it would have been the same. So yes. Um, two more things. One, the buyout market. Are you interested in any of these guys? Like, do you want to do the Vince thing? We don't have to talk about the whole complicated history of Vince. It's just like, do you want any of these buyout yeah. guys? Yeah. Regarding the Vince thing, the complicated part, uh, read Dan Hackett's piece over at Raptors HQ. I think he did. That's a really good, good. Yeah, I think he did a pretty good job wrapping up both sides of it and why the two sides can both be okay with uh, Carter signing. Uh, I'm skeptical he's actually going to get bought out. He chose Sacramento for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. He's still like he was playing today, so they're not. They're clearly not doing the sit you down while we negotiate a buyout thing. Um, obviously yeah. there's been contact between the sides, but, uh, I, I'm skeptical he actually gets bought out. He picked Sacramento for a reason. He wants to play regularly. Um, if also they, they gonna, paid him $8 million. Yeah. Eight if they million. were going to bring a guy in the buyout market, you know, he'd be high on the list just because I, I think adding another veteran wouldn't be the worst thing. Like a guy who's been through it a little Same. bit. Um, you know, Lowry and CJ Miles are the oldest guys on the team and, and Serge Ibaka, like, Lowry and DeRozan are veterans now by experience, too, and Miles and Ibaka have playoff experience. But I don't think it hurts in a young locker room to add another guy. Uh, in terms of actual, like, quality of players, like, I know people were lusty for Joe Johnson and Marco Bellinelli. Joe Johnson is not good anymore and shoots 27% on threes. Marco Bellinelli was the worst player by on-off stats by a significant margin on a very bad Atlanta Hawks team. Uh, that's because he played no defense uh, and only took hard shots. Yes. He made a lot of tough shots, but so I, every time I watched them, it was like, what are you doing? And he made that shot. Yeah, and then he like, no I defense. love Bellinelli as an offensive piece off a bench in a vacuum. Um, sure. I'm not sure he would have played very much for the Raptors. Um, no. Because they're kind of past the whole one-way player thing. And also, like, you know, like, look at the Raptors, man. We have 11 players in the rotation right currently. Like, Norman Powell's kind of there, so 10.5. Like, we're, who else are we adding? And, like, and also, like, the buyout thing sounds sexy because you could talk yourself into a free player, whatever. But, like, more often than not, you end up with Jason Thompson. Yeah, these guys are available for a reason. They're on bad teams, and no one yeah. wanted the trade for them. Yeah. Like, sometimes it does work out. Like, don't get us wrong. Like, Joe Johnson with the Heat a couple years ago. Yeah, that was, that was perfect, huge. Right? But also, like, we smacked Joe Johnson in the heat. Patrick Patterson shot him the F down. Yeah, and, and, and Joe Johnson's two years older now. Yeah. So I'm not sweating Joe Johnson. Um, you know, I th- Is I there anybody think, on your mind? I did think Bellinelli was a nice fit for the Sixers. Uh, the two names that stick out to me if Vince isn't coming, Ursan Silver from the Hawks is a guy yeah. Raptors fans have wanted forever. Um, he plays a tough style of game at the 4-5 spot, and he can shoot it a little bit. Uh, you know, he's not By a... tough style I, game, do you mean he flops it all the time? Yeah, but he also, like... I don't know. He's he aggressive. He flops all the time. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's dirty. And I don't know. The, the I, I, don't, I don't think he would jump Siakam in the rotation or anything. But, you know, if he jumps Bebe as your fifth big, obviously everyone knows I don't want Bebe to get jumped as the fifth big. Um, yeah. But Bebe seems to want Bebe to get jumped as the fifth big the way it's looked the last couple games. Uh, mm. So if he, I don't know, he's a guy who could contribute minutes in certain scenarios. And then the other one is, I, I, I he would strictly be a specialist, and it doesn't sound like the Lakers are going to buy him out. But Channing Frye would be just an unbelievable culture fit for this team. And adding another veteran mentor in there, another guy with the experience, and then, you know, he is a shooting specialist, which probably wouldn't hurt to have just in reserve. Mm. But it doesn't sound like he's coming. Yeah, I, I think Channing Fry probably wants to stay in Los Angeles and smoke weed with uh, his his old college roommate uh, Luke Walton. Yeah, um, I told. Chances are pretty good. Chances yeah. are pretty good. Jesse Mermis, if you're listening though, tell Channing Fry I co-host this podcast with him if he comes. Yo, listen, tell Channing Fry that the weed in Toronto is just as good as the weed in California. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> anyway, I don't think Fry's going anywhere. Ilya So is maybe the one guy to take a look at. Um, personally, I would love Boris Diaw, who apparently has a buyout in his French contract, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, what about you? Also, man? like, 
It's so underwhelming well, to like look for like hunt for a twelfth man. Um, are you? <laughs> does anyone excite you? Um, I kind of like think if there is a area to address, it is the leadership void. And I kind of would like the Raptors to have another badass like like PJ Tucker was. So I kind of interested in Tony Allen for that reason. Okay. But like Tony Allen also doesn't do much of anything other than defend, kind of. Yeah. And so, I, don't, I don't know if I don't you really want know. him taking minutes from, like, he'd be playing the exact Norman Power role. Yeah, and also, oh, yeah, you mean, like, the guy who misses layups on the wing? Um, <laughs> yeah, and shoots 30% but, on threes, yeah. Yeah, um, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it would depend on how his personality mixes with the group, too, because I don't want him to, like, step on anybody's toes, necessarily, but... You know, just the way that PJ Tucker was able to, it was great because PJ was able to play and PJ's done great with, with, uh, Houston, whatever. But like, just that kind of guy who's able to call out some of other people, people can respect him. And like, Tony Allen's a respectable guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's tough. He's, he's had all teams, receiving more defense. He's had playoff experience. He's not going to back down for anybody. Like, I don't, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, and I, if, I think the Raptors, like Raptors fans can be rest pretty assured that if Ujiri brings someone in, it's going to be mm-hmm. a culture fit. They're not risking this yes. culture that they have right now. Yeah, for sure. They're not, uh, sure. you know, and, and that was a case where, you know, I don't know Joe Johnson personally, but, like, who knows if he's going to fit? Who knows if anyone's going to fit, really? You know, Chan yeah. Fry and Vince Carter are guys that have enough tape on them as character guys that you could be pretty mm-hmm. certain. But um, you also you never know how guys are going to respond to not playing, too. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I okay. don't know, but, man, there's an open locker spot. Two that open, is true. Yeah. There's open locker spot, so. Yeah. What was the other thing? You said we had one more thing to talk about before. Oh, yeah. Very quickly, the Raptors split two games next week uh, at home on uh, against the Miami Heat, and then on the next night, uh, back-to-back in Chicago. Um, I don't know. The Heat, they have Dwayne Wade now, so that <laughs> be a win. We should rectify the last game and get the win. Yeah. For and we lost at the buzzer. Yeah, I think the I think the Raptors will be kind of hungry to win that one. They haven't lost at home very much at all, so to lose the same team in the Air Canada Center twice in a row seems pretty unlikely to me. Also, the race for sixty is a real thing, man. The Raptors got to go twenty-one and six, which doesn't seem that ridiculous. Yeah, it's how they've been winning currently. So honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to what the Celtics do, because like if the Raptors are in the clear for the one seed, I think they're going to rest guys a little bit more aggressively sure. and then if the one seed cuz like obviously the long the long view and the how everyone is in the playoffs should be the number one focus but like the way the Cavs looked today and look on paper like the one seed's going to be pretty valuable That's true. So if, if then, they're in a hunt for a one seed, I think 60 wins is probably on the table. Otherwise, I think there's almost no chance they don't at least break their own record for the best record in team history, which was 56 wins. True. I mean, this team is better than that team, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then the Chicago Bulls should be a win. Easy. The Bulls curse is no longer, man. I don't care about no Zach Levine or anything like that. We're winning that game. Yeah, I don't. The Bulls. I don't care about I'm the Bulls. Yeah, who, they're, they're who they got? All right. They got uh, nobody. Yeah. Nobody. They got Pau Zipsa, or however Herbie Coon says it. Uh, <laughs> Herbie's got to rely on something. Herbie, just go, go home and like read like a foreign book or something and like excite yourself and then just calm yourself and then go to the game and then say Schroeder instead of Schroeder. I'm, I'm right. glad Herbie's feeling better though. He missed three games in a row. Sick. Ah, shit. Okay. Yeah. And Herbie's, Herbie's, yeah. uh, his announcing when, well, Vince, when Vince steps in to a game for the first time is going to be huge. All right, Blake. Thanks for doing this. All right, buddy. Uh, thanks to Blake for coming on for the first segment. Uh, in the second segment, I will take your Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, welcome back to the second half of the show. Um, I'm taking your Twitter questions. As always, hit me up on Twitter, at Raptors Republic. Uh, we will try to get to all your questions, um, and uh, we'll start with Woodley, Sean Woodley, our guy. 
Can you rank the Celtics roster by unlikability? Okay, all right. Um, we didn't get enough Celtics liner in the first half, so uh, let's let's double down on this. Let me just pull up the Celtics roster real quick. All right, so um, the most unlikable Celtic has to be Al Horford um, for what he did to uh, T.J. Ford. Um, quite frankly, I don't respect this man. Um, he keeps, uh, tearing his peck. It's, uh, he is considered one of the best bigs in the league, but he's averaging a solid 13 points. Like, if you saw the stat line of 13 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and a block, you would think that's, what, Nick Batum before the injuries? But instead, this is a max contract player, um, earning $30 million, and, uh, he routinely gets sunned by Tristan Thompson. So, He's probably the most unlikable one. Aaron Baines is a close second. Aaron Baines would be up there if he played more minutes, but uh, Baines is uh, pretty much just in the game to injure players, and, you know, um, he's not actually that great at, the, like, what's good about basketball? Aaron Baines is there to ruin it. Um, so he's not great. Uh, Marcus Smart has to be third for all the flops. I actually kind of respect Marcus Smart for hustling his way into becoming a good player. Um, despite the fact that he can't shoot a basketball at all. I mean, like, why can't you shoot 40% from the field? Like, what's wrong with you? But, um, honestly, like, I feel bad for him. He's got acne. He looks like, you know, Bulbasaur. Uh, but seriously, the flops are, are kind of ridiculous. So he gets, uh, the third spot, Terry Rozier is very similar to Marcus Smart. He's got the same spunkiness, got the same shooting percentage, and uh, tries really, really hard with long arms, and he gets a lot of garbage stats. But uh, Rozier's been balling of late, so I'll give him that. But, uh, yeah, also it's really funny that, you know, he's Danny Ainge's untouchable player. Um, we're talking about a player that averages 10 points on 39% shooting. Uh, in terms of the fifth... Um, not a big fan of not a big fan of Daniel Tice. I, I think you look like Macklemore. I think you wear a T-shirt in, in basketball, and I don't know why you're so self-conscious about it. You know, like uh, you know Chuck Hayes played in the league. Like a lot of players played in the league and not didn't you know weren't fully uh, you know didn't have great upper bodies. But like, come on, dude, don't wear a T-shirt. It it, it looks it's a bad look. And then from there, like, the rest of them are fine. Like, I like Kyrie. I do. Like, he plays a great, he's a stylistically an excellent basketball player. Um, you know, whatever. He gets fake deep on Instagram, but like, if you know any 25 year olds, that's not uncommon at all. Um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I don't mind them. Tatum is a little bit overhyped, so he's kind of annoying, but he's not doing anything wrong himself. Uh, and then Jalen Brown is just seems like a cool dude. Overall, both of them are Jeff Green, but whatever. Marcus Morris, I respect the Morai twins. I do. I uh, kind of wanted the Raptors to get Mark Heafty a couple years ago. Doesn't look so good nowadays, but um, you know, I'd rather have Ibaka. Although, given the contracts, it's pretty close. And then the rest of the roster is like whatever, man. Greg Monroe, Shane Larkin, Abdul Nader, Sammy Eljale, Gordon Hayward. Actually, I don't really like Gordon Hayward. I'm gonna put Gordon Hayward as the fifth guy. I don't like because like. What are we really doing with Gordon Hayward? Like, he's nice, but, like, we're not gonna, why are we making him not to be the superstar? Like, this guy averaged, like, 20 points per game twice in his career. He's been an all-star one time. He's not that good defensively. He's not that good offensively. He's just good. He's a solid number two guy. But, uh, we go too far with it. And the rest of them I don't really care about. So, there you go, Woodley. That's your rankings. Alright, next one comes from Alexander. Um, how can you say Casey is a good coach when he's leaving so many points on the table by not calling a JV three every possession? Um, obviously that's a joke, but the JV thing for three is, it's kind of, it's hard to believe in it, but at the same time, you gotta be intrigued, man. You really gotta be intrigued because the shots look good. They really do. I mean, everyone looks good if you're not covered, but um, that's just another feather in Dwayne Casey's cap, man. Like, to see JV come up like that, I know that's like one of the, that's been one of the biggest criticisms of Dwayne Casey and the people who have been most critical about Dwayne has been the Hive. Like, they've really 
you know, if you believe that JV is um, this, like, incredible player that's being underutilized, um, then naturally you would go to the player, you, you would go to the figure that's been controlling his minutes. And so there's been a lot of critique of Dwayne Casey, and some of it was legitimate, some of it's not. But um, to see the way JV has sort of blossomed, even in his role, I even think that even the Hive has to be happy about how Dwayne Casey's gone, you know? So... Um, Kudos to Casey, man. And kudos to JV, too, for improving. You know, like, improving is also, is very much on the players as much as it's on the coach. Um, but, uh, yeah, JV adding the range to his game, working all the time, it's, uh, it's been great. Next one from Ephus Pitch. Do the Raptors actually have to shorten the bench in the playoffs if the bench, uh, can roll the other team starters? Um, Blake and I talked about this in the first half. Uh, I don't think so. No, I think you probably limit the number of minutes. The only my my main concern with the bench in the playoffs is like how few of them can shoot. Like if you take away CJ shots and if you are a little bit more disciplined on offense, such that you're not giving up so many transition opportunities, um, the bench can be solved and uh, creating shots can be a little bit difficult. So you might need to sprinkle in some Kalari minutes in there. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure who you take out because. Um, I think if the shooting is a premium, then you might have to take out the lawn, but also, um, you know, it might get into a size issue with Kyle and Fred Van Bleet. Like everything about the playoffs is like adjustments. It's about the opponent specifically in front of you and what they have. And, you know, if you're, if you're talking about a team like Philly, they like to go mix their starters with their bench all the time. So it might be difficult if like, say, John Bede is out there with the starters against the bench. That's one of the issues I've had with Dwayne Casey as much as praise as I've given him this podcast, like in the playoffs. He doesn't necessarily play situations so much as he plays his rotations, and then he makes game uh, adjustments between games instead of within games. Um, and I would like to see that because the Raptors have one of the most predictable uh, rotations, which, you know, works has both positives and, and minuses. And, um, you know, it's not for every single situation. In the playoffs, I think it's a little bit easy to anticipate what the Raptors are going to do. Um and for teams to adjust, but at the same time, the like I said in the first half of the pod, um, you know that 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 second unit has been so dynamic and been so key to what the Raptors do. I don't think they want to change it, and I think that's what Masai and uh, Bobby Webster have been saying. So I have no reason not to believe them there. Next one from Darth Lean. Uh, what have the what have been the three keys to the Raptors bench success, and how do you think the bench prowls will translate come playoffs? Um, in terms of the three keys, I think one, it's like, like a sort of a collective knowledge in the sense that like everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. Everyone knows what each other's tendencies are. And so they're able to think ahead of time. It's almost like what the Spurs do most of the time, every single season, whereas like everyone is so well drilled. Um, so I think that's the major, that's the biggest one. The second one is the fact that they're like very young and very athletic, uh, and very long. And none of them are gamblers. In terms of defense, maybe DeLon Wright gambles probably the most, but he's also like the, he's also so quick and so rangy and he's so good at getting deflections that like, it's fine that he gambles. Um, I guess Siakam a little bit too, but it's the same sort of principle applies with Siakam. But the fact that they're just so athletic, um, really does help them on every aspect because, you know, on offense, like their transition offense is crazy. Um, especially with Siakam running the floor. Uh, and also defensively, they're able to swarm, they're able to pressure, they're able to rotate and, um, you know, they're able to strike a balance between, uh, physical aggression and also, um, you know, restraint. And that's hard to do for a lot of young players. And then in terms of the third key to success, I think they just like generally all like each other a lot. Like everyone roots for each other. There's no agendas whatsoever. Um, there's no distinct hierarchy. It's not like one player doesn't trust the other player. Everyone trusts everybody. Everyone passes everybody. Uh, everyone's willing to make the play for the next player. And, uh, that's that's good to see. I mean, like, yes, they prioritize CJ Miles, but like, there's a reason for that. You know what I mean? So, the bench has there's a lot of reasons why the bench do well. Um, next one's from Ben Scott. What are the warning signs for being in JV Hive? Um, honestly, if you honestly at this point, JV's playing so well, we should all be in the Hive. We'll just say that much. But generally speaking, if you find yourself hating Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry and Dwayne Casey. Uh, you probably are in the hive. Um, next one from Cam O'Brien. If the Raptors come out of the East, do you think they would have a chance? 
to go up against a team like Houston or Golden State. I don't think Houston's bringing it to the finals, uh, and if they are, I think the Raptors can do fine against Houston. Um, we're getting crushed by Golden State. It's not close. Um, but I don't think the Raptors are going to the finals. As much enthusiasm as everyone, everyone is having, stuff like that. Like, in the playoffs, okay, uh, let me just, if you find yourself really excited about the Raptors going to the finals, I'm right there with you. I, I feel, I, I support you. But at the same time, I would like to ask you this question. When LeBron has shooters around him and he slows the game down and he is playing hyping roll and he's driving towards the basket, what are you doing as the Raptors to do anything against that? Because there's no answer to that. There just isn't. Even the Warriors don't really have answers to that. Um, and you must beat them on offense to do that. And when you ha- look at the Raptors' weapons and you look at the Cavaliers' weapons, yeah, it's not there, bro. It's not there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. that that's It's just not really there. It's not there. Next one from Angel. Angel? I don't really know. Yeah, Angel. Let's just say Angel. Playoffs-wise, what do you value the most? A good bench or your three best guys? Uh, your three best guys. Yeah. A bench is good if you can sort of mix and match parts. But the Raptors bench kind of works in, as a singular entity. If you break them up, sometimes it works, but a lot of times it doesn't. And so if I have, if I do have a good bench, I value like pieces that I can plug and play with different, you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking like, um, uh, like with the Spurs, right? Like they used to be able to like move pieces in and out, um, such that, you know, you can get a couple minutes for Patty Mills in these spot minutes. You can have a couple minutes for Manu, who can play with anybody. Um, you can have some minutes with uh, Boris Diaw coming in for Tiago Splitter and going to a smaller lineup. Like, you know, like if your bench is interchangeable and and, and plays well with your starters, and that's cool. That's not really necessarily the case of the Raptors here. So I value the three best guys. Like I need to see Larry, DeRozan, and Ibaka do well in their roles. Next one from uh, Global Nation. Why do we even give an F about what the media in the States says slash does? They're totally irrelevant to us. Jalen Rose and Paul Pierce ain't lacing up in May and June, let alone the rest of the peanut gallery. We are effing balling. Let's keep it up and get better. Um, look, it doesn't really matter what they're saying. Obviously, it'd be nice. The thing is this, okay? Your perception becomes your reality, um, especially since people aren't people don't necessarily care about reality as much as they do perception. So what I'm talking about is like, let's say you're a bio candidate right now, right? If nobody's talking about the Raptors, if nobody talks about doing Casey the way, you know, Brad Stevens gets credit for breathing, shout out to Sahal for that one. Like nobody thinks about that. And that does, that thought doesn't come to your mind organically just because like it has to be put there. I don't want to sound like inception or some shit, but like someone actually has to conceptualize this uh, put it out in the popular in the public, and for people to actually buy that shit. If nobody's selling anything about the Raptors, and you just expect everyone to look at the standings and look at taking an objective look and like look through every single one of them, that that's not the case, bro. Like people care about what people say about them, especially these athletes, especially um, uh, the ones that you want to lure to your destination. And as much as the Raptors organization has done great things right now, it's a great attractive program. You know, you're seeing the top bio candidates just land other in other places. Why? Because they get hype, man. They get hype. People like why do people don't just play the sport to win the sport to make money. They also play the sport to be famous in the in the thing that they're doing. And you cannot be famous if nobody talks about you. Like nobody cares about Pascal Siakam because like you know, it's not because Siakam's not a good player. It's not because he hasn't done great things this year. It's because nobody's talked about them. But you will see all sorts of hype about Terry Rozier. You'll you'll see like what like, you know what I mean, like what the Cavs like. You know every single player on the name on the Cavs because the Cavs are being talked about every single day. And like a lot of players seek that. So it does matter. It really does matter. And it matters in terms of you know because it's an entertainment business as well. Like you, if you're not in the news, you're not really entertaining anybody. It's a public spectacle. So if nobody talks about you, it really does matter. And if you are a Raptors fan, you can be rightfully pissed that nobody talks about the Raptors. It does, I don't, it doesn't, none of the rating stuff matters. Like, you're never on TV. You're never on, you know, you're never on national TV. You're never being talked about on these, in these, in these um, shows. Like, whatever, right? And nobody really rates you. Like, that becomes your reality over time. It really does. And when, and when it, when it comes down to moments that matter, nobody thinks about the Raptors. That's just, and there's a reason for that. So, yes, it does matter. 
even though it is ultimately it should be inconsequential. What should and what is is two different things. Next one from my guy Marcelo Menezes. Uh, this is the team. Uh, I what is that in is that in Portuguese? I'm gonna have to translate that to Portuguese. Hold up. I don't understand what this question means. Marcelo, please ask me again in English. I am not good on, in Portuguese. I just know how to swear. Shout out to my guy, Saveta, for teaching me that. Um, next one from Amin. Amin, pound the rock is still a thing. Yeah. Pound the rock is a mentality, baby. It means go to work hard every single day. Um, the pound the rock story sounds a lot like the, this uh, Chinese parable about this uh, family moving a mountain over generations. Um, Chinese people on the pod, they know, they know, they, they, they know what I'm talking about on that one. Next one from Sandeep. Um, is it practical for the Raptors to keep both Fred and Delon? If not, who would you choose to keep? I, I honestly, I just don't necessarily see the reason why Raptors fans do them to themselves. Like they just arbitrarily create, uh, a difficult situation and then they make themselves be miserable. Um, I would like to keep both of them. Um, but in terms of who you keep, I feel like Delon has more trade value and they're about approximate players at the moment. Delon's better, but Fred has also come on really strong with a three point shooter. I don't know, man. In that case, if they're giving you equal value and one player has more trade value than the other, you probably want to keep Fred and, and maybe move Delon. But I don't want to see that happen, man. I like them as Raptors. I like to keep them both. Why did you make me choose Sandeep? Next one from Jake. Uh, do we need a bio candidate? Do we actually need a locker room presence? Um, no, we don't need anything, man. We're tops in the East. We don't need anything at the moment. But it's not, it's, it's nice to have depth, man. It really is. Like, adversity is going to hit at some point, right? And, like, if an injury happens, if something happens, if a player randomly goes cold, like, just have options. It's, it's not a bad thing to have. I wouldn't mind. Like, like you said, I wouldn't mind having Tony Allen in this locker room. Uh, next one from Hooch and Chooch. Is Philly the best eight seed the East has had in several years? Yes, because the Philadelphia 76ers should really be a four seed um, if Embiid plays all the time, but he doesn't, and so they're arbitrarily held down. Their quality is way better than uh, what they are on a night-to-night basis. Basically, they're trash if Embiid doesn't play, and they're really good if Embiid does play, um, and that's artificially deflating their value. But, yeah, I don't want to see Philly in the first round, although it's not ultimately that bad. Like You can kind of solve Embiid a little bit. And then, um, but ultimately he's a superstar. He's a force of nature. Like you're not really going to stop him fully. Um, but the rest of that team, you can kind of stop. It's, I'm not too worried about the rest of that team, but yeah, they're, they're, they're solid and they're definitely not an eight seed. They're just only that because of circumstance. Um, next one from Chris, what's the maximum number of minutes the bench mob could play together in a playoff game? I don't know. What, I don't, what do you mean? 48? Like, what do you mean? I don't really understand that question. Like, like, what's the most viable minutes? How am I supposed to know that? Like, how, how am I supposed to know that now? Like, months from the playoffs. Like, they they could start to slow down and stuff like that. We we don't know, man. So I don't I don't really know how to answer that question. Uh, another one from Mark. Uh, it's a it's a different Mark, I guess. Go ahead and ask the question on everyone's mind. Uh, which Raptor could slash should be in the Winter Olympics and in which event? Uh, I think. Uh, Cardinal and Siakam have great chemistry, and I would love to see them figure skate together. Um, they're both pretty nimble. Um, Siakam's lighter, so he probably has to like you know be lifted up and and do all those acrobatics. Um, but yeah, that would be nice, right? Like the two of them, like they got they got outstanding chemistry, you know. Like, um, yeah, that's probably the one. And then I don't know, I could probably see Fred being a, like a six snowboarder. I don't really know what event he'd be doing, but like he's got the low center of gravity. He's got great um, balance. He's very strong, um, and he's got that tough mindset, you know. So, yeah, those are those are the two. Those are the two. I'm not watching much Winter Olympics. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's uh, much prefer summer because uh, the Chinese people are way better in summer. Uh, next one from Forty and Dunking. Uh, more likely to go on an eight-game losing streak before the end of the season. Celtics or Heat. I don't really see the Celtics going on an eight-game losing streak. Um, the Heat are definitely more liable to go on an eight-game losing streak. I could see a situation where the Heat doesn't, like, the whole situation falls apart. But they're actually kind of similar teams if you really look at it. It's just, like, um, 
like two coaches are kind of propping up the otherwise, you know, not great talent. But yeah, I mean the Heat. I mean they just can't score. They just can't score. They defend like hell, and we all know that. But like they just can't score. It's a real issue for them. Um, and then last one from Elias. Good question. If the current system works, Raptors should roll with it. Who's who? oh he's t- asking? Oh, that's a response. Well, there's no more. There's no more questions. Um, that does it for the podcast, then I guess. Uh, thank you to all of you guys for listening. Thanks to Blake for coming on the pod, and uh, we'll be back next week. Still paying hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Let's change that. At Zenni.com, our factory direct model means no middlemen or outrageous markups. Just the same quality frames and lens options as the other guys for one-tenth the price. Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame anywhere with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit Zenni.com today and change the way you buy glasses forever.